Okay, good morning. How are we doing? Are we well? Not bad. We've got a not bad. Anybody better than not bad? Like, is that where we're at? Okay, there's a handful of people better than not bad. I'd say that's thriving, you know. And today's uh, part, as Jenny said, we sort of commemorate today Palm Sunday. That's the tradition in, in the global church. And I want to take a few moments this morning. I say a few moments, it'll be ages. But anyway, we're going to open Matthew 21. We're going to read about the events that actually happened, the events we actually remember today. Uh, if you're new to this sort of, uh, sort of gathering, every time we get together, we open the Bible. We don't, you, don't, you didn't come this morning to hear my opinion, but I hope you came to say, Oh God, would you, if you even if your heart is, I don't know if I believe. Uh, my prayer is that, 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 that you want to come and hear, not my opinion, but maybe what God would ha- say to you. If you turn to Matthew 21, if you've got a Bible, or we'll put it up on the screen here. And we're going to read just the first 11 verses of uh, Matthew 21. When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus then sent two disciples, telling them, Go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there with her foal. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say to that the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. Tell daughter Zion, see your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and its foal. Then they laid their clothes on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their clothes on the road. Others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Then the crowds that, who went ahead him, of him and those who followed behind. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in uproar, saying, Who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Would you pray with me? Our oh, Father, we thank you so much for your word today. We thank you that an eyewitness like Matthew who saw and heard these things wrote them so that they might be preserved for us. So that we might learn something today of, of who you are. God, I pray that by your spirit you would presence yourself here that you'd speak to us, that you'd shine the spotlight, that you'd bring meaning and clarity that what went for, of what went on so that we might respond, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. So good. Have you ever had one of those moments where you completely get the identity of somebody wrong? You know, maybe you're like, you start waving at somebody and then mid-wave you're like, oh, not them, great, you know? You know those moments, you're like, Dave, not Dave, okay, great, you know? Those moments, my uh, most significant moment of uh, mistaken identity was actually when I was at uni, I was trying to earn some extra money, I wasn't working in a bar called Sin, but I was actually doing police lineups, can you believe that? Uh, Just as an actor, um, and... um, and I would get paid £10 a time for a police lineup. When I shaved my head, number two all over, I think I made more money that way. Just looked more like the local criminal in Sheffield, England. And you'd, you'd go along and, and stand in a line of, of 10 people. And one was the suspect and nine actors. And you stand there and there's like... Uh, 
one-way glass in front of you, so you can't see past it, but there are witnesses on the other side, and the police read the charge, and, and uh, one day, you know, the, the policeman reads the charge, um, can you identify the person that bit your ear during a fight, and this person, the, the guy I know is the suspect, is standing right next to me, and I'm like, I'm fond, fond of my ears, I'm just going to sort of lean this way, please don't eat them. And, and, and then there was another time when uh, the charge was read, can you who, the, identify the person who held you at knife point in your taxi? And the, pers- the witness, I can't see them, but the witness picks me. <laughs> and I'm like, you think I held you at knife point. What's funnier though is the fact that, that, that if you're not a suspect, if you're just there in the lineup, you get to leave as you want. And so these two taxi drivers, um, there's a particular ethnicity of taxi driver in the city I lived in in the UK. They were generally Pakistani. Okay, So these two taxi drivers I haven't seen leave the police station. The police are like, right, we're all done. Off you go. I've just been picked out by these guys for holding them at knife point. And I walk out the same way. And we meet outside. And I'm like, hi. There's this awkward moment. They think I've held them at knife point, And I'm just like, not, you know, not letting on. I'm like, hi, yeah, nice to meet you. See you off the other way. You see, identity is important, isn't it? Identity actually matters. We have this this mission as a church, helping people become total followers of Jesus Christ. And one of the most important words in that sentence, in that statement, in that mission is the name Jesus, because identity matters. If I said to you, hey, do you want to come and hear a talk by a guy called Trevor? What's your question? Who's Trevor? You know, dads, your daughter, I mean, just imagine you're a dad and your daughter comes to you and goes, hey, I'm going to go and hang out at Dave's house. What's your question? Who's Dave? And, you know, if we have this mission statement, helping people become total followers of Jesus Christ, our question should be exactly the same. Who's Jesus? And that's the question that comes in this passage. Who is Jesus? It's a question that matters if you're somebody considering whether you want to become a follower of Jesus or not. It matters who Jesus is. That You cannot separate that question from your decision of whether you actually want to follow him or not. Who is Jesus matters to us if you are a follower of Jesus. You know, maybe today you're feeling a little bit lackluster in your, in your faith. Maybe today you're, you're, you're tired and you're just thinking, you know, maybe you're even thinking, I, I may, maybe want to check out of this. And, and I just wonder if our, if our following of Jesus is built upon an incomplete understanding of who Jesus is. Is. I'm actually excited about not only these two weeks where we're examining Easter, but in the coming uh, eight weeks after that, we have this series called Follow, where we're going to get to grips with this discipleship. We're going to get to grips with what it actually looks like to follow Jesus, and make sure you track along with that. We've actually put together a study guide that goes with that series, with, with things that you can do throughout the week, including video series on Right Now Media. If you don't have access, by the way, a little aside, if you don't have access to Right Now Media, you can do that for free. Talk to First Impressions. They'll help you contact the office and sort that out. little plug for a series coming up. But, but, it, but if we're going to spend an amount of time as a church discovering, well, what does it actually look like to follow Jesus? Then we need to back up from that in these two weeks as we look at Easter and say, well, who is Jesus? And that is exactly what we get to in these pages today. Matthew is not just recording these dramatic events of Palm Sunday. Matthew is interpreting them for us. You get this great crowd that have followed Jesus. 
And, and there are pilgrims going to Jerusalem at this time for, for the annual festival of Passover. But I think what Matthew wants us to see is actually there's a great crowd that, that are actually following Jesus. Like two of the people in that crowd that have just arrived were blind like yesterday. And Jesus comes along and they're like, Jesus, heal us. Jesus does it casually. And, and they join this group following Jesus. Like, can you imagine the hype of this huge crowd? Can you imagine the expectation? They're, they're listening to his every word and they're watching the amazing thing he does. And, and so as they enter Jerusalem, they're just crying out and they're celebrating. And, and Matthew records that because of that, the whole city was in uproar. That word uproar in, in the Greek is word used literally to talk about earthquakes. As, as this crowd enters, as, as Jesus follows in, in, in the midst of this crowd, the, the whole city, it's like there's been an earthquake and every single one of them is asking, who is this? Like, what is actually going on here? And Matthew, as I say, doesn't just record these events. He takes a step back and he says, let me tell you the significance of what is going on. In verse 5 it says, tell daughter Zion, see your king is coming to you. Gentle and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. What Matthew is doing here is saying, these events remind me of actually some prophetic words. Like throughout, Jewish, throughout Israel's history, God had been sending messengers, they were called prophets, messengers to Israel saying, there is a special one coming. You need to look out for him. And there are some signs that, that are going to help you identify the right person at just the right time. And what Matthew does here is he brings together two of these messengers, two of these prophets together in one phrase. And the first one is Zechariah. Zechariah in Zechariah chapter 9, he wrote this, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. See these familiar words? Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I'm just going to read on here. It gets a little bit random, but just hang in there, okay? It says, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The bow of war will be removed and he will proclaim peace to the nations. His dominion will extend from sea to sea and from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. This verse speaks about things that represent war. And what Zechariah wanted Israel to know is when this significant one comes from God, he is going to do away with the instruments of war. He is going to rule to the farthest ends of the earth and his kingdom, every square inch of it, will be characterized by peace. That was Zechariah's message. And so it's significant that Jesus comes riding on a donkey. It's not just some sort of random thing that Jesus picks up on the way because he's tired. There is, there is significance in the fact that he rides on a donkey. When a king rode on a horse, it was a sign that he was entering for war. When a king rode a donkey, it was a sign that he was coming in peace. Jesus' kingdom would be characterized by peace. But also in here, we find the words of another prophet, Isaiah. And, 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 and Matthew's taking the words out of Isaiah chapter 62. In verse 3 of 62, it says this, You will be a glorious crown in the Lord's hand, and a royal diadem in the palm of God's hand. What, what, Matthew, what, what Isaiah was wanting to communicate was when this significant one comes, when this king arrives, when this savior arrives... You, you who have been a people who have been oppressed and marginalized and, and invaded and persecuted, you are going to be treated like you're, a, you're something precious. 
like a glorious crown in the hand of God. What, what Isaiah was wanting people to know was that this significant one that God was going to send would, would demonstrate to them, would be this incredible declaration to them, you are valuable to God. Imagine if you've been marginalized your whole life. Imagine if your whole history is one of oppression. And God says, when, when I send a special one, he is going to demonstrate to you that you, though you do not feel it, you are incredibly valuable to God. And then further on, you have to, these sound a bit random, but just I'm trying to draw out the meaning of them for you. Then later on in Isaiah 62, it says this, The Lord has sworn with his right hand and his strong arm, I will no longer give your grain to your enemies for food, and foreigners will not drink the new wine for which you have labored. The point was that they were creating food and they were making wine and people were coming in and stealing it. And God says, for those who gather grain will eat it and praise the Lord. And those who harvest the grapes will drink the wine in my holy courts. These words are associated again with this special one that God is going to send. And God was saying to them that, that though in the past people have stolen what you have produced, in the future they won't. You're actually going to enjoy what it is that you produce. And so this draws out the theme that both Isaiah and Zechariah are bringing together, that actually the special one who would come would bring about a day greater than the ones they'd ever experienced before. And so not only is what Matthew telling us here, not only is Jesus bringing a kingdom of peace, not only is he bringing a kingdom where people are valuable, but he is bringing a kingdom of hope where tomorrow would be greater than today. Can I say I see these same themes that Matthew associates with Jesus? I see these same themes now. Just take a step back for a moment. Like four weeks ago, we had this incredible um, atrocity that went on in Christchurch. 50 people murdered. And on that Sunday, just within a couple of days, thousands of people gathered to grieve together. And to mourn together in the Basin Reserve. And though there is incredible division at times, though we disagree so much as a nation, on that day we were able to gather together and agree we want peace, not hatred. And we want to acknowledge that actually life really is valuable regardless of what somebody believes. And we also want to say that we hope that this does not characterize our nation in future. We dream of better days. We dream of hope. Can you see these same things that, that Matthew wants us to know are on Jesus' agenda are also on our agenda? We hope for these things. Can I say, has it ever occurred to you that these things that many of us agree about, peace and hope and a value of life, can you see that these things you and I hope for are the same things that Jesus hopes for. And yet, and yet what it actually leads us to ask is, are we able to actually bring these things about? Like, just take peace for a moment. Like, forget international dispute. Like, I'm from the UK. The UK is deeply divided right now. You look, maybe some of you are from America. America is deeply divided right now. There is international conflict upon conflict upon conflict. Forget that. Forget the, the division that goes on in our own nation. Just think about your own life right now. I struggle to keep peace in relationship with those closest to me. I struggle to keep peace around the breakfast table this morning. I'm just being honest. And, and, and if I can't even keep a prolonged period of peace in my own home at times, how can we ever dream of, of, of bringing about peace on an international scale or on a national scale? Are we actually able to bring about these things that we desire in and of ourselves? 
And this is where what Matthew uh, talks about is so important. Because he says, not only does Jesus have the agenda to bring these things about, but he actually has the power and authority to do so. Matthew presents Jesus as the king riding on a donkey. The king who will reign to the farthest extents of the earth. The king who will reign in absolute supremacy forever. Now, I realize for many of us, we're democracy lovers, right? We don't really want a king. You know, what we really want is to vote in the right person. And if we get it wrong in a few years' time, we can just get rid of them. And yet Matthew says, no, 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 what we actually need is a king who will rule and reign and have the power and authority to carry these things out. But that's why it's so important that Matthew presents Jesus as a king who rides on a donkey, a king who comes in peace, a king who, it says here, in fact, no, it's not there. Let me go. Let me go to Zechariah 9. Where it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous. He always does right. He always thinks right. He always says right. And he comes victorious and humble. He doesn't exalt himself. He, he always puts other people's interests ahead of his own. Can I suggest, even though we may object to a king at some point, if you are going to ever relinquish sovereignty in your own life, can I suggest that, that it is to a king who is righteous and a king who is humble, a king just like Jesus. But Matthew doesn't only present Jesus as a king, he presents Jesus as a savior. And again, I think that causes us to reel a little bit, doesn't it? Like we don't necessarily want a king, and we certainly don't feel like we need a savior. You know, in a world where we think about, we, we long for peace, but we see so much evidence that there is no peace. We can say, you know, there are people who've caused wars, there are people who've created incredible atrocities. Like, I can see that they might need a savior. But do I need a savior? Like, do I need saving? I think I'm okay. But can I just suggest something else from my own home? My girl should be able to tell you something that I talk about just about every single day in our home. And that is you need to own your behavior. <laughs> How many times do you hear, do, do I get to hear, you know, why did you do that? Well, she did this to me. You know, why did you do that? Well, I wouldn't have needed to except that he did that to me. And so I'm going to justify my behavior based on what somebody else has done. And I think there's an extent to which you and I have to own our behavior. Like other people have done terrible things, yes. And I might desire peace and I might say, do you know what? Those people did awful things that, that, that brought about hatred, that brought about a lack of peace. And yet I have to also acknowledge that even on a small scale, I am the one who often causes a lack of peace. I'm the one who causes offense at times. Actually, to some extent, I often cause harm. Actually, there are also moments when I might say I value other people, but I actually do a really great job of putting my needs ahead of everybody else's. Can I humbly suggest that though we do desire peace, and though we desire hope, and though we desire a value of people as inherently valuable, can I suggest that our lives, even on a small scale, every single day maybe tell a different story?
Because it leads me to realize that actually I need a king and I need a savior. And I suggest to you today that I think we all need a king and we all need a savior just like Jesus. The people respond to this, to this entry of Jesus in this way. They cry, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Can you see the significance of what they're crying out? They're saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In other words, we're going to acknowledge that you have come from God. And we're going to acknowledge that you're the son of David. In other words, you are the rightful king of Israel. But they're also crying out, Hosanna. Now by this time, this is a familiar term of praise. And I just wonder if this was a little bit cliche for them. I just wonder if this was a word they were familiar with. And they're like, Hosanna. And they've forgotten maybe the literal meaning of this word. Hosanna means save us. If you want a technical word for it, Hosanna means propitiate now. Okay, propitiate or, or atonement. These are technical words, but I think they're really important for us to understand. What, what, what Hosanna literally means is, for what I have done, I deserve punishment. But this is my plea, God. Would you send a substitute? Would you send somebody who can stand in my place and receive my punishment on my behalf, whether they knew what they were saying or not, within five days, God would dramatically answer that prayer. Because this king who rode in on a donkey would become a savior by hanging on a Roman cross to receive the full weight of God's wrath at humanity's sin. At every moment where I have caused hatred instead of peace. For every moment where I have not valued other people. For every moment where I have given people reason to believe that there is no hope. And for everything else I and you and the whole of humanity has ever done in contravention of the glory of God. Jesus himself would hang on a cross to pay the price for all of it in full. As people cried out, Hosanna, God answered that prayer by sending His Son to die in our place. So that He might be my Savior. So that He might be the Savior of a guy working in a bar called sin. So that He might be a Savior of a person just like you. It leads us to the question though as I close, are we there yet? Like if we think that, if we believe that the death of Jesus was to do away with sin and do away with everything that would hold back this kingdom of peace and of hope where people are valuable. If that is what Jesus accomplished 2,000 years on, are we there yet? Do we have that, that reign of peace? Do we have that hope? Do we have that, that reign where people are valuable? And there is this theme in the Bible that we have to understand that Jesus' kingdom is both now and not yet. The not yet says there is a day coming where He will rule to the furthest ends of the earth. There is a day coming where He will, he will rule not just temporarily but eternally. And that day is still not yet. That day is future. The full extent of Isaiah's words and Zechariah's words and, um, and Matthew's words are still yet to be fulfilled. And yet do not mistake 
that there is a sense in which the kingdom of God is here right now. And it comes person by person as we say, Jesus, I want you to be my savior. And I want you to be my king. Because what happens is God gathers those people together. Not, not uh, characterized by buildings, but ca- characterized by gatherings of people called churches. And we don't get it right all the time. But you know what? When we offend somebody, we say sorry. And we seek and, and we repent. We turn away from that. And when somebody offends us, we forgive. We say, I'm going to forgive quickly. Even though you don't deserve it. God has so loved me and forgiven me. I want to be a person who forgives you. Can you see that actually we begin to to be a community that characterizes these things of Jesus' kingdom. That we become a community of peace. That we become a community of of hope that says tomorrow really can be better today. And, and, And a community where we value other people beyond ourselves. We say, I believe you were created in the image of God, no matter who you are, no matter where you are from, and I'm going to honor you in that way. I'm going to serve you in that way. I'm going to love you, even at great cost to myself. And in doing so, that we, as people who live under the rule of King Jesus, I believe we begin to provide the sort of community that people's souls truly long for. A community. I mean, how can I just... Pause for a moment and say, how much do our communities, how much do the people around you need a gathering like this? A gathering of hope. A gathering of peace. And a gathering of people who are valuable. I know this is a buzzword in, in, right across this nation. You know that people are, people are valuable and you can believe whatever you want to believe. And I'm going to honor you with that. But I think a community that truly values people is a community of grace and truth. A community where we say, you can hold your beliefs, and that's okay, and I'm going to hold my beliefs, but can we actually put them out there and have a conversation about them? And when I challenge what you believe, I'm not calling you as a person into question, but I am hoping that together we might come to truth so that we might walk on in that way. Does that make sense? I believe that's the sort of community Jesus wants to be. I believe that's the sort of community that, are, that are, the people around us are actually longing for. And if we're going to be that community, I think a response is needed. And so I'm just going to take a few moments right now to pray. I'm going to invite Josh and, and Zoe and Dave. Dave, I'm really sorry. I said Dave twice in today's message, and you're not the random Dave and you're not the Dave that I don't want my daughters going around to their house. Although if my daughters were going to your house, that might be weird. I'm going to move on from that. Can we pray together? I want us to respond and I want you to take a couple of moments. The moment's gone. Thanks, Dave. But would you just take a couple of moments? Adopt whatever posture you need to respond. Maybe it's your eyes closed. Maybe it's your head bowed. Maybe it's your hands raised. Whatever it is, it says, right now, God, I want to respond to what I've heard today. You know, maybe for you, you are a follower of Jesus and you say, I realize that there is a sense of mistaken identity here. And that actually, when I understand the agenda of Jesus, and I understand that that should be my agenda, maybe there's some things that we need to repent of today. 
some hurt we've caused, some, some people maybe we've chosen not to forgive that actually we need to forgive today. Some ways in which we have prioritized our own needs above other people's and we just need to be honest about that right now. Maybe in these moments of quiet that that's something you want to just offer to God now and say, God, you're challenging me on this. Lord, would you help me to change? Save me out of this right now. As king, would you lead me? You know, maybe for you right now, you've, you're not a Jesus follower. Maybe, maybe actually you've spent a good deal of your life ignoring him. And you never realized that the things that you long for, peace and hope and a valuing of people are actually, you never realized that that's what Jesus was like. You never realized that's what Jesus was about. And maybe though you're not quite there with believing or wanting to follow, maybe you're, maybe you're just a little more intrigued right now. Maybe your prayer right now is, God, if you're real, would you show yourself to me? Jesus, if you really are King and Savior, would you, would you show yourself to me? Because I realize the things that you want are the things that I actually want. Maybe right now you're, you have come to a place where you say, I need a King. I need a Savior. Right now, you can turn to God and say, Lord, thank you for your love. And I want you to forgive me for, for my sin. I want you to save me. My prayer today is Hosanna. And I turn to you and I want you to lead me. Lead me as King. Lead me as Lord. Lead me as Savior. Just in these moments, whatever your prayer right now, just lift it up before God. Just quietly. Lord, here's my prayer. Here's the step I need to take today. Here's what I'm asking you to help me with. God, we come before you today. We're so grateful. We're so grateful that... Here in 2019, we can cry out, Hosanna, we need a king, we need a savior, we need somebody who's actually going to be able to bring about these things that we desire. And I thank you that in all eternity, you already answered that prayer by sending Jesus. Lord God, we're so grateful and we remember him today. And as we worship in a few moments' time, as we use song to articulate our praise, Lord God, we pray, would you move not only in this community, but would you move in these suburbs? Would you lead people to see that what their soul truly longs for is a Savior and a King just like Jesus? And God, I pray for us as a church today that we would become that this, a, a gathering that actually looks like the subjects of the kingdom you desire us to be. Let us be a community of peace. Let us be a community of hope. We, would we be a community that no matter what people believe, no matter where they are from, they would know they are dearly loved and welcome, that they can belong and be at home here. 
And through our welcome, Lord God, might they may become to not only see us, but actually see the one we have come to believe in. Lord, as we share communion right now, Lord, we thank you for these incredible symbols, the bread and the juice reminding us of the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. So expensively poured out so that our cry of save us might be fully met by our belief in the Savior, Jesus Christ. As we share these symbols right now, maybe people here right now sharing it for the first time as they come to believe in Jesus for the first time. Lord, we use these symbols to remind ourselves of Jesus, to say thank you for Jesus, and to begin in these few moments of worshiping Jesus. We thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, church, would you stand?